This is a Sci-Fi Rewind with Miles P. McLaughlin and Scott Herzog. Podcast. This is the Sci-Fi Rewind, episode 19, and I'm one of your hosts, Scott Hertzog. Good evening, I'm Miles P. McLaughlin. And we are with us tonight, a very special guest, okay, guest? <laughs> a very special guest all the way from uh, Las Vegas, is that right, JP? That's, r- that's right, Las Vegas. Yeah, so JP Harvey is with us, so JP, welcome. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, yeah. So it's great to have you on the podcast tonight. And you've heard JP in various forms, either uh, I think mostly written. Have you ever sent in audio? I think it's mostly uh, written. No, I, I have never sent in audio, but. mostly for fear that uh, you might lose listeners. So this, this is an experiment tonight. <laughs> right, right. So you're saying that by just announcing you're on the show tonight that no one's going to listen to Logan's run, right? Okay. Right. No, no. But uh, no, thank you so much for joining us tonight. It's very good to have you on. And um, and talking about Logan's run and mm-hmm. Miles, I was realizing earlier on, I mentioned to JP earlier on that, you know, JP, you first proposed this back in 2011, July. So over a year ago, you said, let's do, you should do Logan run. Uh, Logan's run as a rewind. So, so yeah. here we are. Yeah, here we are. Um, and, and, and JP, why Logan's run? What, what did Logan's run mean for you that made you say, Hey, you guys should do this as a rewind. Well, I was uh, thinking back to the first time that I saw Logan's run and I was, I believe I was in junior high school. That was around the time that I became a, uh, a pretty voracious reader of science fiction. And this thing came on the TV and um, caught my attention as a young guy. Of course, looking back at it now, I, in some cases, I wonder what, what caught my attention about it, but it, it was a huge adventure to see what happened in this movie. And it just fueled a love for science fiction in me. And uh, with you guys doing rewinds, that's why this came to mind as a rewind uh, candidate. Yeah. Well, I think it's certainly worthy of us looking back because I think there's a message that's still relevant today, even though the movie itself maybe doesn't hold up as well. Oh, yeah. I know, I know my son watched part of it with me, and he goes, well, no one's running. <laughs> so, well, I said, maybe not the parts you are watching. But, but <laughs> I guess he was expecting, like, whiz-ban action like they get in, you know, the movies that they watch today, and it wasn't quite, wasn't quite that for him, so... Um, but just a little bit about – we often start off looking at some of the stats. Before we do that, we do have our next rewind, and Miles is so excited about this movie. He cannot wait to do it. Miles, what rewind are we doing? Um, somehow uh, something possessed John Moreau to su- suggest we watch uh, Starship Troopers. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> so, so, but um, uh, I will give it a fair watch. Yeah, we'll see how well that holds up. I remember not being real impressed the first time I saw this thing. I think it was the bugs. The bugs. Did you watch Starship Troopers, JP? I, I did, and that's another novel that I, I read uh, back novel. in the day. Yeah, 
Great. Now, did now did you like the novel? I I did, and in fact, that's another one of those those uh, genesis items for me in, in science fiction. Uh, and then I watched the movie, and my reaction sounds like it was a lot like yours. Yeah. Well, I, you know, we're going to give this a, a fair shake. We're going to watch it again and see, you know, if there's anything in in it for us. Uh, you know, I guess almost twenty years. Not. Qu- maybe it's a little bit less than twenty years since it's at least fifteen you know, years. At least fifteen years. Yeah. And uh, as you don't like, you can blame John Morrow. So <laughs> we, we love you, John. But no, he did. To be fair, he suggested a couple others, but one of them we rewound, and another one I didn't want to rewind or something mm-hmm. like that. But. Very good. So, so uh, if you want to get ready for our next rewind, you can do that by watching Starship Troopers. So, anyways, the stats for Logan's Run. There actually wasn't a ton of information as far as how this movie did at the box office, but here's here's what it is said uh, about about how this movie came off. It brought, I think, it caused the budget was nine million. Which is absolutely ridiculous in today's society. You never make a movie for nine million unless it's paranormal. Right? This would be like an independent movie, yeah. or something. But it made money. It grossed twenty-five million. That was so, nineteen seventy-six, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So June June twenty-third, nineteen seventy-six is when this came out, and um, was filmed in Dallas, Texas, and uh, and that's kind of how it did the box office. So. It got, it got, it made money. I mean, what, what more are you going to argue about it, right? Sure. Um, but that's about it. Nothing as far as worldwide gross or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So, so I guess maybe a good place to start out is maybe just let's get first impressions in the rewatch here. Mm-hmm. And Miles, why don't you go ahead and start out? You, you watched this. You had watched a movie before, right? Yeah, I have seen this movie before. Um, you I rewatched pro- it here. So uh, for me. There was a Logan's Run TV show for a short while. Oh, that's right. And I was familiar with that. I didn't watch all the episodes. And then sometime in the 80s, it was on TV. And so I had wa- you know, watched it then. And then my wife had gone on DVD a few years back. And we, her and I watched it again. And so, yeah, when you watch it, it, it it's a you know fun trip. It's, for, it's a fun nostalgic trip uh, for watching something back in the mid-70s. The... the the you could tell they're using a lot of models. Um, you look at the you know the the sets and and everything the, the city of domes. You could tell it's it's a big giant model, but really good for its time. I mean, and and, and it captures I think kind of what we might have thought the future might be like mm-hmm. with the, with the domes with the. Um, you know, the, 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 the trams, you know, the cars, whatever, um, and uh, just, just kind of the look. Um, so it did definitely capture the look of what we thought maybe the future could be like. Um, and so it, it had that going for it. The, the electronic synth music, which was used a lot, you know, evoked lots of memories of the time. Um, but the, the theme of the story, that's something that's been – you know, it's just something that's you know, it's explored a lot in sci-fi because we're all very interested in it. I mean, what ha- you know, this is a post-apocalyptic society, although this society looks like it's a you know, looks pretty good. We we get you know, sh- shortly as we get into the movie, we find out you know, it's things are not all as it seems. I mean, you see all these beautiful people. Well, that's because you know, they're only allowed to live to thirty. So. Right, right, right. Yeah. Well, it reminds me a little bit of the movie in time, a little bit with Justin Timberlake. You know, they had, you know, so many years, and then they were able to buy so many years beyond that. But they were all youthful looking at mm-hmm. that point. So, I mean, you're right. This theme is kind of explored in sci-fi, mm-hmm. and it's it's not just that, but 
this the, the the story of breaking out of conformity yeah. is, is something that I think resonates with us today in a society where we're constantly being pushed toward conformity in some way. And just questioning why do we do why are we doing this this way? And and, and right. the answer is well that that's the way we've always done it. It's it, it, it this is always it, this worked for us. Why and that's you, not good enough. Not good for, enough. For for some people it's not good enough. They have to what you know why are we doing it this way? Why are we only allowed to, to to be thirty? Or why can't I know who my birth, you know, who my you know seed parents are? You know, right, right. And um, and and the questioning happens early. On. We get we get we get a hint of Logan's character early on in the film is, um, as, as he's near the nursery, he's you know he thinks that one of these babies is his is is, is his predecessor. I, I would guess, yeah. and that's at least a hint of at, at the beginning here. Mm-hmm. Uh, JP, how about for you? Uh, how so you? I assumed you went back and rewatched this. How did this movie feel to you going back and rewatching it again? Well, I, I think like a lot of these, this one, um, I, I alluded to this earlier. Watching it again felt uh, a lot slower, and I, I think as a child or as a young man, my mind filled a lot of things in. Um, like reading a novel, filled a lot of things in that I remembered being there that as I watched the movie, um, maybe weren't really there. Um, not, not key scenes or anything like that, but just, uh, the, the mind of, of a young, uh, boy is a wonderful thing. And, um, and, uh, boy, it, the, the movie was, uh, was stunning to me as, as a young guy. So watching it back through, uh, it, especially compared to today, uh, very slow, um, there were scenes I forgot about that were, were pretty exciting. And there were things I noticed about it in the, in, in the, the past through this time that I, I frankly didn't notice as a young man, some of the special effects, um, and how they were done. And that was, that made it exciting this, this second time through or this, uh, I've probably seen the movie four, four times in total. Um, this, this last time, most recently, there were things I, I paid attention to that I hadn't really noticed before. Oh, very good. You know, I think it's true. You look back at you look back at a movie through the lens of our current our current time and say, "Wow, you know this this isn't near as good as I remembered it." <laughs> like, like I do the same with two thousand one Space Odyssey, a movie that I absolutely love. But you go by, you go watch it now. It is so dang slow. Just so dang slow. I mean, it moves at such a snail pace, and yet it really is a crowning achievement of Kub- you know Kubrick's uh, career. Mm-hmm. That and Clockwork Orange. But. It, it, it speaks to us. I mean, our attention spans are considerably shorter than you know. yeah, definitely were. Mm-hmm. You know, when I'm, I, I, I can't say I went back and watched it. This was my first watch through Logan's Run, mm-hmm. and so, I mean, I was excited when I saw it and said, "Hey, there's Michael York," because mm-hmm. I'm a huge Michael York fan. I loved, I loved, you know, I loved his his Tybalt and in, in, in the Zeffirelli version of uh, Romeo and Juliet. And I know he did tons of other stuff as well, including uh, what was he Basil in, in uh, Austin Powers? Yeah, that's probably right, where, right, all three of them. Yeah, that was like m- most current current generation would know him as you know Basil, but you know he had a huge acting career prior to that. Oh yeah, that really kind of spanned the seventies and early eighties. And uh, but Michael York, I just love seeing him and uh, and even his nemesis and the the whole the whole journey out of the dome. You know, it was kind of an interesting 
journey, and it certainly was slow. There's no doubt about it. You look at the movie these days, and if you were to do redo this movie today, it would move at a much faster pace. Oh, they would do definitely. something in here. I mean, there'd be a lot more running as my son was missing <laughs> in, in there because they make it more action packed. See the pacing. You know, you talk about being slow. For some reason, the pacing didn't bother me. I just. Um just just watching everything they were doing, watching the character runs between Logan and Jessica, you know, it, you know, experiencing, you know, the outside world and then meeting the old guy towards the end. Um, I, I guess by today's standards, it, it's a slower pace. But for some reason, that just didn't, I don't know, didn't, I, I didn't, you know, didn't think to myself, well, this is a slow moving movie, but... Yeah, you know, and they do a good job with, you know, the central characters here really being, you know, it's three, you just really, you're following three people in their journey. Right. If you don't include the old man. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess the computer or the city kind of is its own character of sorts. Right. Um, and so we're kind of alluding to my next question, how does this movie really hold up over time? And, and I think maybe a part of it is um, – how is it relevant yet? Or mm-hmm. if, it's, if there's a relevance to it, so maybe we can start kind of talking at at this way. And JP, do you care if I put you in the spot here? How do you feel looking back at you watched a movie four times? How does this movie hold up now? Maybe not just in look. Let's talk about look as well, but also maybe in message. Wow. Um- well, we, you know, we sort of talked about the look a little bit. You can tell, uh, it probably outstanding for the day, the the effects today. You look and you see models. Uh, the the folks that are participants in Carousel uh, certainly look like they're suspended by wires, and and I can't remember now. Maybe even you can sort of see the wires. You might be able to. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the message, uh, though, it was funny. It wasn't until. I sat down to watch it for this rewind. I had made a note based on memory to myself that one of the things I didn't like about this movie was that I couldn't clearly sort out what the message was. There were a lot of themes cooking in there, but it seems usually you walk away with at least some major primary distinct impression uh, in terms of uh, the commentary. Uh, but when I sat down for the rewind and watched this through, um, I thought a message, and I, and I can mention it now, or we can, it, we can come back around to it, but there, I thought it was a pretty clear message, at least for uh, folks that grew up when I did, um, that I did, certainly didn't see as a little guy. And because of the time spent before I watched this movie again, I never really gave it any thought. Uh, but there was a very relevant theme to the the 70s and the 80s, I thought it was was sort of a primary message in, in the movie. Mm. And I, I that now, or we can come back to it. Oh, it doesn't matter. We can certainly uh, we can certainly talk about it now. Go ahead. Why don't you mention it now since we're kind of bringing it up? That's fine. Well, um, you had mentioned the the, uh, the, the robot, the the government. Um, the, there was a faceless government running this. This city that looked uh, had all the appearances of being a paradise. Uh, of course, there's outside, which we see in the second half of the movie. In fact, Je- uh, Jessica, when they get out there and sees how apparently dirty and wild it is, says, "I don't like outside." Um, but there were there were clearly themes about what appears to be so and what's actually so. Um, 
freedom versus totalitarianism runs through the whole movie, uh, I thought. And when you look at when the movie was made, uh, and I I don't know, I listened to the commentary, by the way, on the disc, and it, and it didn't give anything away there about this, but it made me wonder if if the real story was was uh, an attempt to, to comment, give commentary on the Cold War. Oh well, now when and, and believe me, and when you look at communism, what it what it what it promotes, and certainly would it, you certainly can see that, um, just in the fact that you know everyone's equal and everyone has a fair share and you know does equal labor and so on. Although you don't see very many people working in the dome. No, in fact, really nobody. However, that system worked. Everybody really had a chance to just enjoy life uh, or or almost be hedonists. Yeah, but. Um, but it, it, here the Sandmen are is really the only government officials I recall that you see, and they're answering to apparently a computer. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, we really aren't, JP, we really aren't that far away today. I mean, how many of us answer to a computer? <laughs> I mean, right. seri- seriously, I mean, you know, our, our phones buzz and we get an email or we get a text message or we, we're sitting down at work in front of our laptops and our screens. And in a lot of ways we, we kind of, become a society where we do kind of answer to the, the great machine. <laughs> well, a lot of how I, my supervisor communicates to his employees is either email or texts. Yeah. I mean, um, the nature of my job, there'd be, you know, days or even weeks. I might not see my, my supervisor, but, but he can still keep track of us through, you know, other means. So the government becomes a little bit, in a sense, the government in our immediate lives is kind of faceless in some ways because you aren't doing stuff face to face. True. So, but you know, this brings up a greater question, JP. Uh, that I think that you're that, I, that that you're kind of hinting at is the disconnect from our lives and and how comfortable we are in our lives from that and the way the government seems to kind of pander it and what it's what's really going on outside of it is kind of maybe uh, a message that may be relevant today. I think. Right. So back to the inside inside the dome versus outside or utopia and dystopia. And what's funny is you go into the movie thinking you're looking at a, at a utopia inside the dome, chaos, almost dystopia outside the dome. By the end of the movie, you're not sure that you have it backwards. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. And I think that, you know, you look at, I mean, this will get very, uh, I guess, socioeconomic or, it's not meant to be political, but you know, you think of America, how you know every you know what do we? I forget you know what, how much of the world's resources that we consume, and you step outside of America and you see a whole different world, right? And in in a, in a metaphorical sense, we kind of live inside this little dome wall that we have certain expectations about the way things work and the way things happen, but you step outside of it. It's just not quite. I mean, you probably saw that. You, you traveled, uh, JP. You've traveled outside the U.S. and have lived outside the U.S. I have. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, there's just a. It's just not. Things don't work quite the way we think they should. So, <laughs> go ahead, Mark. So a lot of ways I think to apply the the broad theme. You know, we can well, as, as Americans. You know, at least the three of us. I know they're listeners from uh, from all over the world, but as Americans, we can examine our own culture. And then, like you talked about, going to other places, especially non-Western countries, and you quickly start to see dramatic differences. But uh, yeah. yeah, I don't know that Logan's run or uh, um, Nolan, who wrote the book, I, I don't know that that was 
think he was painting a broader picture than trying to get uh, you know, Americans or, or Brits to look at their own countries. Um, I, I do suspect, though, like I mentioned, that he that he was an adult living in this new Cold War that was raging, the new you know threat of nuclear war, and um, and somehow that I believe he very gently wove that through the entire entire movie. Yeah. Yeah, that would not that would not surprise me at all. Not surprise me at all. Uh, Miles, how about for you? Um, this uh, or did you did you answer this question about uh, themes and how it holds up? No, I, I agree a lot with JP as far as themes it explores. And another thing I think it explores is the idea of the of, of life ending at thirty. Um, we, you know, there's there's been talk of what to do with our elderly. I mean, we have, our, um, we have nursing homes, um, you know, retirement homes. Um, you know, we're living longer uh, because with modern medicine or like that. And um, this is, you know, explored how you know how you know how long should people be allowed to live? Don't people get to be a burden on society after they've you know they've reached a certain age and what this movie does is, um, well, well, we'll cure that problem. You know, we'll just, we'll, you know, the age will be cut off at 30. Um, and so it reminds me of the, there's episode of Star Trek next generation. Um, I don't remember the title of it, but in that there was a planet where they, the cutoff was age was 60 and they had this ritual called the resolution where somebody would, you know, you know, they would, uh, have this ritual suicide, but at the same time, you know, celebrate their life with their family and friends. And, you know, this was one way to, you know, they said, you know, give dignity to life by not, you know, by this is the, this is the year we, we, you know, this is when life ends and, you know, this person's dignity is still preserved, but, you know, the longer they live, they can always, you know, the, the danger of being a burden to society or, or, or whoever. And so this, I think this movie kind of explores that a little bit by just, you know, limiting the, you know, the age of person allowed to live and maybe even also the idea of population control. I mean, uh, I, I don't know if that's it. Maybe back then it was more of a thing, but just, you know, should we, you know, the, control the population as far as, you know, how many, you know, births or whatever. I mean, um, there's countries in the world where that that is controlled. Uh, some yeah. of the old communist countries yeah. where, you know, you're only allowed to have one child or two children because of that. Just so some of the more maybe controversial subjects that we, 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 we wrestle with, I think are, are kind of explored in this movie too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and uh, there's, there's no doubt that that's, that's there. And, you know, I think they, the question of what we do with our elderly and I guess maybe the question is why 30. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know, JP in the book that you read, uh, does, does he cut the age off at 30 as well? Um, 21 is what I remember in the book. 21. So it's almost like they value the experience of the growing up, the teenage years are in the case of the movie up till 30, but they don't allow people to really gain wisdom. I mean, can you think, you know, beyond 30 and 40 people who consider our older people wise, or at least we think mm-hmm. they are sometimes. And, um, but I, too, this whole idea of packaging the elderly and putting them away. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of interesting. Well, you mentioned something interesting. Just maybe if people can't reach a certain age, they won't reach the age of 
of questioning of of questioning and doubting if everything is given to you and if you can you know you know uh, there were some people in the movie working and so okay so if you 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 had a job but at the same time you you know your housing was provided basically you know you had it really good um you know you you know you if you're only allowed to live to be a certain age you're not going to have the life experience at least a lot of people are not going to have the life experience to have the wisdom to question the status quo. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, hey Miles, wasn't uh, that TNG episode was Half-Life, wasn't it? That might be the name. Yeah, I'll have to look that, that up. Yeah. Yeah, I'm struggling to remember it, but I remember that as well where folks were uh, were uh, taken out at 60. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that episode as well. Mm-hmm. There's a uh, Guys, there's a lot of I think a lot of hat tipping to Star Trek in general in this movie too. So it's it's funny. Uh, it encourages me, Miles, because you're the uh, you're the you're the encyclopedia that <laughs> you are already thinking of uh, Star Trek references. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, uh, so um, let's move into some other things here. Like, what what are some of your favorite scenes as you as you as you watched uh, this movie? What were some scenes that really stuck out? To you are that really resonated uh, with you, Miles. Let's start with you. I won't call it a favorite, but it did resonate with me. Um, just the first carousel scene. Um, you know, people people go in this amphitheater, and the people that are going to—I put my hands in quotes—be re, renewed. They've lived up to thirty years, but they have these creepy hockey masks on, and. Um, um, maybe I just got sucked in. I, I wasn't looking for the, um, you know, the harness strings, where those pulling yeah. them up and stuff. I just saw these people floating around and, and they'd explode. They'd explode. And but, everyone would clap and cheer. Yay, mm-hmm. look, the ring were born. I mean, look, I mean, it looked, some of it looked kind of cheesy, but just watching the people in the crowd just kind of, you know, they're so brainwashed into, th- you know, into thinking this is a good thing that, you know, but these 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 people that you know being blown up. I mean, they're just you know they're just being killed. I mean, there's so. Capricorn fifteen, born twenty two forty four. Enter the carousel. This is the time of renewal. some campiness with it but it's still it, it was still a very powerful scene i yeah. thought you know it makes me that scene makes me think of the uh the uh 
third Star Wars movie where Queen Amidala is saying, you know, so this is how democracy dies with thunderous applause. You know, everyone's mm. for it and cheering, and and that's what's happening here in this scene, and that's a very powerful scene, especially in light of what you find out later on. Right. And one of the scenes that that I just that, that, that sticks with me is when they escape the dome, right? right? And they get out mm-hmm. to discover this paradise they've been going to. Is nothing more than the robot maintaining these frozen bodies in yeah. the ice. And that just sticks with me. Like you see these bodies kind of frozen in ice. These are people that escaped thinking they were getting to uh, – what did they call it? it was sanctuary. Sanctuary. Mm-hmm. That they were getting to sanctuary. And, uh, yeah, there's their sanctuary, frozen in ice. The only thing that saved uh, Logan and Jessica was Logan had a gun. You know, he could uh, yeah. shoot his way out of it. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was – for me, that was a very – because that's a moment where – they realize that not only is what's going on inside the dome a lie, but this whole promise is also a lie. Right. And and so that uh, their whole existence are beginning to question because nothing is real for that. I am ready for you. Fish, plankton, sea greens, and protein from the sea. Fresh as harvest day. Overwhelming, am I not? Are you too startled? Am I too removed from your ken? What? Who are you? I'm more than machine, or man. More than a fusion of the two. Don't you agree? Wait for the winds. Then my birds sing and the deep Grottos, whisper my name. Box, box, box. This place is a link to sanctuary, isn't it? Link? Hmm. How do you think we got here? Same as the others. Don't you remember? Why do you think we're here? Why? Why? We were sent here, and you know it. You say others have been sent here. Where are they? In hiding? Hiding? Yes. Hiding. You know about Sanctuary. I know you do. Sanctuary? You have to help us. You don't have the choice. It's not. You're a decision. So tell us. Very well. Follow me. This way. How did they get there? Regular storage procedure. The same as the other food. The other food stopped coming, and they started. What other food? Fish. And plankton, and sea green, and protein from the sea. It's all here, ready, fresh as harvest day. Fish, and plankton, sea greens, and protein from the sea. And then it stopped coming, and they came instead. So I store them here. I'm ready, and you're ready. It's my job to freeze you. Protein, plankton, grass from the sea. 
JP, for you, uh, what was a scene for you that stuck out that was really powerful? Um, the two of them, really. One is, uh, as Miles mentioned, the, the first time you see Carousel, that was almost terrifying um, to, to me the first time I saw the movie. And and so sterile. Uh, the, the second one, which is the one that stuck with me the longest between the, the original viewings of the movie and the ones from this, was the first time they step out. Uh, outside, so um, they're done. They're done in the ice caves. They fought the uh, fought the robot, and they make it outside. And the color of that world, and as scary as it as it was for the characters, uh, that lays out in front of them was just uh, stunning to me. And I, I'd mentioned earlier, adventure uh, for me as a young man seeing this movie. That was. To me, that was the most significant part of the adventure is when they saw for the first time what laid outside the domes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Miles, uh, any other scenes for you? Oh, sure. Um, there's when they the, – the, when, when Logan and Jessica – well, I'll back, back up a little bit. Um, when Logan is first given the mission to infiltrate the runners – he becomes a runner himself, right? First, you know, he's scared because the computer, you know, what first he says, I'm only, you know, a five and well, the computer can remedy that. I mean, just, you know, yeah. forge, you know, how, when he was born and, you know, he goes, well, I will get my years back, won't I? I mean, it's so like, there's no answer to that. Yeah. There's the, the computer doesn't answer back. Uh, there's no, you know, so he gets a sense of his, um, mortality, uh, you know, now I mean, he was questioning early on, but now he is really questioning um, the system. And so, well, you know, it, it, it's funny because he, the computer tells no one but him, right? Yeah, because his, his friend Francis has no idea. Yeah, the, the computer gives him you know the information. You know, like the, the rest of the salmon don't know a lot of the stuff going on with the runners, but the computer knows you know a lot, and so. The, the symbol, uh, how many runners are unaccounted for, and um, and so, yeah. so when he first gets the mission, you know that's a, that's kind of a poignant scene. I mean, um, he, he, the, the the technology looks very um, dated by today's standards, oh, yeah. but it's still uh, what, Logan's reaction to the whole thing. Yeah, I think for me the uh, the, the scene that follows that. They, Follows a JPC from them stepping outside is when you first see DC and DC has been decimated and all your familiar landmarks are either mm-hmm. broken or torn down or you see the Lincoln Menor- Memorial covered with vines. But then also the reactions to seeing Lincoln with a beard right? are, of course, when they run into the old man mm-hmm. who's obviously senile but is an old man and the fascination with that. Right. It's just a um, it's just a great scene, and brings and brings and brings truth, a sense of somehow through that, Logan and um, Jessica Six, you know, they gain a sense of revelation and truth through that. There's also the scene in the graveyard where they see these names and numbers, and they're not sure what that is. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, and what's a you know beloved husband, beloved wife, and because the relationship. I mean, what one I guess the relationships in in the city of domes is. 
you know, nobody, I think, is anybody's monogamous. It's just. Uh, well, uh, JP said it, they're hedonistic. They're hedonistic. Yeah, Babies are born in a, you know, probably a test tube or something, you know, they're, they're, they're grown in a test tube and, you know, then, then mature. We don't know. We're not told with, I would assume what they do is they probably just take cells from men and women and then just kind of, you know, well, you don't see anyone pregnant. You don't see anybody pregnant there. So it's not that there's not sex. I mean, yes, because Michael York's character, well, Logan kind of calls up this Jessica six as a uh, hooker, right? Kind of, (laughs) at least initially. Right. <laughs> yeah. JP, how about for you? Any other scenes kind of stick out for you? The um this the scene and it 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 tethers to this discussion we're having. You know, death inside the dome city is very clean. You had mentioned seeing grave markers and not knowing what they were, seeing uh, Peter Yusinov's character and being fascinated by wrinkles and a beard. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. You know, even when the even when the Sandmen kill the runner at the beginning of the movie, as as gory as that is, uh, you know those two guys come in there in those little hover carts and they spray him and the body and every the mess is just gone. Uh, carousel, yeah, it seems safe to say there's no debris um, from from renewal. Um, when Logan and Jessica are down in the catacombs. Uh, and they come across the kids, and uh, Holly, Farrah Fawcett's character, comes down there. And Logan, I believe, thinks he's found sanctuary because he calls the Sandmen to come in. Uh, so he's still doing his mission. And when they show up, Logan sees a very unclean uh, display of killing. Mm. I, I suspect that's when Logan's mind changed about what he was really going to do, and that's when he purposed to get outside the dome. Yeah. You know, does he go back and risk the unanswered promise of the computer? Does he take Jessica back with him? Uh, um, or does he run, truly run? And obviously we know he ran. Right, right. But that seemed to be a huge turning point. Um, and, and, and now that we're talking about it, probably a key scene in the movie where he realized that what he'd been promised and what he had not seen, he realized what that all may actually be about. And he truly becomes a runner at that point. There's a scene where he, he, he and Jessica six are talking and basically she says, you know, well, you're sand, you know, Sandman, you, you, you know, or no, she said one of her friends was killed by, by a Sandman. He goes, you know, well, I've, I've never killed anybody. I've terminated runners before. But she says, "But you know, so he, he can't, you know, he's not putting. Basically, what you're saying it before is that he, he's seen the ugly side of what this, what they do, um, in, in more graphic fashion. Well, this is even um, this is even interested. Uh, it's interesting. You you put a quote to the show notes where it says Logan and Jessica are having this conversation. He says, "Killed? Why do you use that word? Isn't mm-hmm. that what you do? Kill? I've never killed anyone in my life. See, I'm going to terminate runners. What's your name? You know, the idea that kill is such a dirty word, and they don't kill anyone. They just terminate, which is such a clean, you mm-hmm. know, and and less obtrusive word. You know, right? Yeah." Um, so uh, um, before we move on, any other scenes that – I mean there are a lot of good scenes in this movie. and uh, But uh, any other scenes that kind of stick out to you? Yeah. When they when they go back to the city and they get captured and he gets interrogated by the computer, basically the computer is reading his mind. 
and because computer wants to know where sanctuary is and and your computer can't handle the truth Logan five did you find sanctuary did you find sanctuary we will begin surrogation are engaged. Logan 5, you were assigned to find a place called Sanctuary. Report. There is no sanctuary. Unacceptable. The answer does not program. You were assigned to locate missing runners. State what you found. All frozen. The input does not program, Logan 5. You may not resist. Man. You must not resist, Logan 5. Did you find sanctuary? Broke city seals and went outside. Confirm outside. All ruin exposed. There is no Answer the question. Input contrary. Input contrary, contrary, contrary. May not, may not, not resist, may not resist, Logan Five. Unacceptable, Un- unacceptable, unacceptable. Does not. image of Michael York's face, but I mean, in this, his mouth is not moving, but it, he talks in a very robotic voice. There is no sanctuary, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, because there isn't. And, right. uh, the computer wanted him to 
root it out and, and deal with it. And so that, that, that was a, you know, but yeah, the, the, the computer starts malfunctioning for a while. Yeah. Because of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, the, the other scene that, you know, one of the things that I want to say that this isn't necessarily a significant scene, but I watched just a movie on a high definition. Mm-hmm. So all the models you guys were alluding to earlier on, the little um, the, the little monorails or trams that they had, the domes, you could tell they were models. Absolutely. You, you could do it in standard definition, but it really showed on the high definition. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But. Um, anything else, JP, before we move on? We're going to talk about maybe some quotes or the actors next. No, no. Okay. Well, let's move on into uh, – let's move in on, I guess, into some actors here. Uh, so we have some some fairly well-known actors here. Michael York, how does he do at carrying out Logan and portraying Logan here? JP, let's start with you this time. Well, um, I mentioned I, I looked at the commentary, so uh, I, I can't claim to be – all that, all that smart about some of this, okay. but uh, it mentioned in the commentary that John Voight was uh, originally intended to play Logan. Okay. I looked him up, and I can't imagine that. Um, I, I thought I thought Michael York was was outstanding. Oh. I, I don't know who else could have played the part, uh, honestly. Yeah, and I don't I don't know either. When I when I see Michael York, I mean, he is that Logan for me. In fact, I knowing that he, knowing that he was in the Austin Powers movies, didn't undo uh, the goodness of him being Logan. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I suppose there there are those who uh, have seen this movie only recently, or will see it after the rewind, that will forever see Basil playing Logan as opposed to the other way around. Yeah. Um. And how, I mean, how about for, how about for you as far as actors go? Uh, I thought, yeah, I thought Michael York was was good was good um, for this part. Um, and I thought the guy who played his friend Francis yeah, um, Richard Jordan, and um, he was in the original Dune movie. Yeah, he he was in Dune. He, he's got a very impressive resume. He was in Dune. He was in uh, Hunt for Red October, um, Gettysburg. I mean, he, he but, but he he's been gone from us for a long time. He passed away in 93. Right. But, uh, I like, you know, I thought they played off each other real good. It was, you know, you had one guy sort of questioning the system and the other guy trying to tell, you know, you know, don't, you know, not to question the system and just, you know, just, just, just go with the flow. Um, and, and watching him go after Logan and Jessica, I mean, even though what, even well, all he saw, I mean, he, he, he tracked them to the, to DC. Um, he still was going to, you know, follow orders. Oh yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, you know, I really liked their relationships, but I mean, I tell you what, I had to kind of shield my son's eyes cause he watched part of this with me when they have that final battle, mm-hmm. it compared to the rest of the movie. And we talk about how killing was kind of this clean thing. Well, when he kills Francis, it's brutal. Like there's some pretty hard hitting. I mean, granted, it's all fake. It looks fake now, but mm. it, it looks pretty brutal for my five year old. Oh yeah, for for a little kid. It, I mean, <laughs> um, but you know, he's you know, he gets his head busted open with a flagpole, and yeah, uh, yeah. 
You know, and um, and as far as uh, Jenny Gutter, the, the the lady that played Jessica Six, she was in Avengers. Yeah, she was one of the council members. Yeah, one of the little, you're good. Yeah, wow. I, I was kind of like, hey, look, Avenger girl, right? Mm-hmm. Not that I would have recognized her, but I mean, she's aged, obviously. But she's had a long career. Mm-hmm. Long career in that. Um, and they're really the significant ones. I mean, who who played the old man? Uh, Pete, the actor's name is Peter Ustinoff. Um, oh, yeah. He's a two-time Academy Award uh, actor. and um, uh, He just died not that long ago. Yeah, uh, eight years ago. But, but he was, you know, you know, he he had he had a career, you know, well before uh, um, Logan's run. But I, th- I thought he was good too. I mean, it was obviously the life of this guy was a very simple life. Um, there was obvi- cats. lots of cats, lots of cats, you know. Um, but I guess because I mean, he, he was looking forward to more people being around, and so it was interesting watching him go go with the go with Logan and Jessica back to the city. Right, right. Um, any other acting moments or notables in this? I mean, we have Farrah Fawcett, right? Uh, you have to mention Farrah. Yeah, you, ha- you <laughs> have. You have to. And this is not her first role. I mean, she's she was in a lot of stuff prior to this, and a lot of stuff after it. But but yeah, you kind of you kind of do mention her, right? And she, of course, died what three, four years ago, two thousand nine, I believe. But, but yeah. Uh, you know, her role really wasn't huge in this movie. No, she was just she was like a nurse at this um, plastic surgery place or whatever. Um, but another actor, you know, it's the character looks very silly by today's standards. But um, um, the actor's name is R- Roscoe Lee Brown. He's an African American actor. Um, l- lots of voice work, but you know. A lot of 80s sitcoms, um, soap, the, the Cosby Show, uh, lots of stuff. He's got a very unmistakable voice. Um, but, I mean, I mean, the robot by today's standards definitely looks um, kind of very campy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, they even – Logan even calls him Box. But um, but I, I rec- when I heard the voice, I thought I recognized it. And and so, yeah, he, this guy's been in tons of stuff. Um yeah. Um, so he, he was another standout. Very good. Well, let's move on. Uh, Miles, you, you threw a bunch of quotes here. Let's um, let's go ahead and get started with you here and the quote thing. What were some of the uh, quotes or things that stood out for you in this movie before we uh, kind of move into some trivia and then some listener feedback here? Well, uh, the first dialogue, I, I like the opening of the film where they kind of give you a little bit of background on what's going on. Um, just tell you with the world they live in, but the opening dialogue you get a hint of uh like logan questioning uh logan is he is uh tapping on glass in in nursery he says, "Wake up and Francis comes Logan, you are here i couldn't believe it when they told me what are you doing logan says um logan six well, it's not every day that they authorize a new sandman I'll tell you francis that that's him well, well, maybe not what does it matter anyway he isn't yours anymore." He's still tapping on glass. All right. You want me to wake him? And then he taps it with his baton and, um, you know, just so you, you kind of get an idea of that. The Logan is going to be, is a questioner. He's not, he's, he's not just a follower in this movie. Yeah. And they set off the alarm and then of course, you know, mm-hmm. dupe the computer and make some excuse to get out of it. Right. 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 Uh, how about for you, JP quotes for you that maybe uh, kind of stood out? 
Um, guys, no, no quotes that I could label as favorites. No. Um, uh, other than perhaps toward the end where, uh, as I recall, when Logan is on the balcony giving his, his, uh, can't really call it a speech. He was almost in a panic, it seems. And right. he says, like, you know, he's shouting, um, the life clocks are a lie. Oh yeah. Powerful. There is no renewal. And that was, uh, uh, that was that was pretty stunning, but no, don't go in there. You don't have to die. Well, no one has to die at thirty. You can live, 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 and grow old. I've seen it. She's seen it. But look. Look! Look! It's clear! Last day. Capricorn 29s. The year of the city, 2274. Carousel begins. No! Don't! Don't go! Listen to him! He's telling the truth! We've been outside! There's another world outside. The city is a lie. That's probably the only the only quote from the movie that I that I would put into a bucket that I could I guess I could call favorite favorite quotes. You know, and I would say that this this movie is not necessarily quote heavy. It's more idea heavy. I would say right. anything. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, um, you know, one of the things I did want to, and this is maybe a little bit of a tangent here, but let's go ahead and take it. It, it reminds me a little bit of the Matrix. You know, they're living in a dream world, a world that's not real. And you know, when 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 Neo gets outside of it, he discovers the truth of it, and he enters back into it to liberate. Mm-hmm. And there's a little bit of that. Matrix-esque feel to this, of course, totally not modernized, but the mm-hmm. idea is there. Well, in fact, Jessica, as I had mentioned um, before, you see a little bit of that in her when they when they get outside, yeah, and 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 they're cooking over fire or whatever, and she said, "I don't like outside." <laughs> yeah, that's a great that's a great line. Yeah, um, but it's very uh, you know again there are a lot of quotes Miles has here, but a lot of them are just. You know, just dialogue. Just dialogue. Yeah. Just one-liners. You know, run, run, run. You know, but well, very good. A- anything else um, you want to talk about the movie? I know you said Jerry. What Jerry Goldsmith did the mu- movie yeah. uh, music, and he of course is known for track music and other stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't call the music as being extremely memorable here. It, it does what it needs to. It's a good companion to the movie. It, you know, um, it's not. You know, it's not like. Not a strong theme necessarily. No, and maybe maybe I don't say forgettable to be you know to just to speak ill of it. It's just you know it's it just it does what it needs to for the for the movie. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Uh, how about for you with the music, uh, JP? Uh, the the music didn't take me out of the story, and I'm not humming it. Yeah, well, that, yeah. so there you go. That's, that probably says enough. Present enough, and I'm pro- I, I would be with you in the same way. Miles, you said you found some trivia. Why don't you go ahead and pick our brains here, since you have that trivia up in front of you? All right. Um, 
in what year do the events uh, in Logan's Run take place? You, you, there's there's four options: twenty two seventy four, nineteen seventy four, thirty two seventy four, twenty two seventy six. Go ahead, JP. Oh. Trying to remember the words on the screen: twenty two seventy six. All right, we'll put that in there. Um, what is the term for a hunter of runners? Oh, so we don't know the answer. I can tell you the answer. I mean, I know the answer. Okay. I remember, but it's um, they they say it was twenty two seventy four. Yeah, I believe that's mm-hmm. what the plot synopsis says too. So, mm-hmm. go ahead. What's the next one? The next question is: What is the term for a hunter of runners? Oh, that's easy. Sandman. Yeah, Sandman. Right. Yeah. And um, what is the symbol for sanctuary? The onk. Yeah, the onk. Yep. The onk, the onk, the onk. Okay, what is the term for the crystal embedded in the palm? Ooh, I don't know that. You have lifeline, yeah. hourglass, timekeeper, and life clock. Do you know this? That was a life clock. Life clock. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, according to the computer, how many runners are accounted for? We're 2001. 1,056, 1,215, 1963. Hmm. I don't know. No idea. I'm going to guess 1,056. We'll see afterwards. What is the name of the restricted area where violent children are kept? I don't know. Cathedral? Yep. Oh, good. Yeah. Good. And what is the collective term for these evil juveniles? Uh, we're given savages, wolves, cubs, kittens. Yeah, th- this one I know only because it reminded me of something else. So, Go ahead. Uh, they were they were cubs. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. yeah. What happens to a body of a terminated runner? And we're so guys in black robes carried away. A cleaner sprays it and dissolves it into goo and disappears. We talked about this one. It's that yeah, one. it's that one there. Um, what is the process of reincarnation on carousel called? Uh, refurbishment, rebirth, renewal, reincarnation. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say it's renewal. Oh, it's definitely renewal. And let's see. Who is Logan's partner? Francis. Yep. And what was the verbose and egomaniacal robot encountered by Logan? Box. Yep. <laughs> so, so some of these questions are pretty easy. Yeah. I, I also the, the I first prop in the movie. yeah. <laughs> there, there's there's some other tri- I have some other, other trivia here that's aren't questions, but this I found interesting. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, Michael York, uh, Richard Jordan, and Michael Anderson Jr. were all over thirty when they made the film. Okay, <laughs> because they're supposed to be under thirty, right? Um, so that was kind of interesting. Um, the love shop sequence originally ran much longer, but had to be cut down under the pressure from MGM censors. Uh, other cut scenes include Box making a nude ice sculpture of Logan and Jessica, and several characters visiting the uh, the Hallucinial shop in the arcade. The latter was cut for depiction of drug use. All the additional footage and background music score were substantially lost in what is known as the Great MGM Purge. When studio owner Kirk uh, Kirkorkian sold off what he could of the studio's extensive archives and simply threw out the rest. So apparently there's footage that was lost from this because of the censors. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, if you look at that one, the one scene, the love shop scene, I mean... And there was nudity in it. There was some. There was, there was some. Um, but it was just, you know, 
It was a very, very trippy whorehouse. I don't know. Just yeah. <laughs> a trippy whorehouse. <laughs> there you go. Um, trying to think if there's anything else. Um, the Pistons were recycled from another movie. Let's see if I can find the movie. Um, were taken from Michael Anderson's previous film, The Wreck of the Merry Deer. Mm-hmm. So they used, they just used some of that. But I'm trying to think of anything else. Uh, oh, the cityscape footage was reused by Paramount Pictures in Star Trek The Next Generation, the episode Tapestry. Oh. There's, your, there's another Star Trek. Yeah, there, there you go. It was visible outside the windows of Picard's quarters. Okay. So you have to go back and look for that. I, I, I will. <laughs> so, uh, um, I think that's about it. That's good. Um, oh, they did say uh, another spoiler. The ex- an extra makes a Vulcan salute from Star Trek when waving to the old man after everyone escapes the exploding city. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> so I would never notice that. But it is. Go back and look at it. <laughs> It's stunning how obvious it is once you go to look for it. Oh, did you see Dead. it? <laughs> oh, big as life. It's in the center of the screen. Uh, an extra in a green shirt, <laughs> not a red shirt, has a uh, has his back to the camera, and and uh, just before the movie ends, an hour fifty five, hour and fifty six into it, he sticks his hand up, and suddenly his fingers spread apart in the Vulcan salute. That, that is awesome. Center screen top. Top toward the top. Once you see it, you wonder how you ever missed it. Oh man, that is great. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't realize that. Well, let me go ahead and um, I think that's about it. Any other comments before we play some listener feedback here? Again, I think this is a good movie. Certainly a movie that's birth that's relevant. And maybe the question we need to ask ourselves: You mentioned this earlier, JP, that they're looking at remaking this movie. Is this a movie whose message, or maybe a book whose message? is worth a remake. What do you think, JP? I'll, I'll let you have first dibs in this one. Uh, I, I think I'd, um, I'd, ant- I'd, I'd look forward to a, to a remake. I, I think, I'm not sure what it would be like, but this one isn't, uh, I don't know that this is one of those untouchable movies that, that people will react badly to just hearing that there's a remake. So I, uh, I'll say I'd go see it unless it starts to look like uh, as it as we as we draw close to the day. If it looks horrible, then never mind. But, right, right. But I'd welcome a remake. Yeah, I think I think this movie's dated itself enough that you can probably say, well, this you know you could probably have a remake of this and make it a lot more exciting than it is. How about you, Miles? Yeah, I think. Yeah, I, I have no problem with them making a a remake of this movie. Uh, I think there's plenty of story that can still be retold and um with today's technology i mean visually it'll, it'll, it'll look real good but I, and i think um, it, it, um if somebody can maybe you know do what they did with the new with Battlestar galactica maybe take the original concept and, and make it a little more deeper than the original was i think they could really they could really do this, this this justice. Well, there's definitely a solid theme in the movie in, in this movie that I think that you can just expound upon and maybe make it relevant to today's society. Right, certainly, certainly would work. So I think it's worthy of it. Mm-hmm. Why don't we move on and to hear what Kayla's has to ha- say about this movie, and then we can kind of respond to it. And uh, I'm going to play this. Hopefully, you can hear it, uh, uh, um, JP, and then we'll we'll, we'll go from there. Um, 
I'm just gonna play a clip of it and then I'll replay it and let and you can let me know if you hear it. Can you hear the music, JP? Sure can. Okay. sci-fi diner it was a lot of fun to rewatch logan's run again after not seeing it for so many years the last time i saw this film was on television a long time ago and i cannot even remember exactly how many years it was but i can say that i saw it on network television so i saw the film all cut to pieces at that time the film really dates itself with the special effects which at the time i am sure were cutting edge the Dome City especially would look really bad to modern audiences, but I think it actually adds to the charm of the film. I would also go as far as to say that the city adds to the surreal feeling of the film. I have to hand it to Jerry Goldsmith and his score for this movie. I love the way he used the synthesizer music for the scenes inside the city and then went to a symphonic score when Logan and Jessica leave the ice cave and finally discover outside. I have to wonder at some of the philosophical aspects of Logan's run, though. I did some reading about the film and didn't find any philosophical views, and I don't know if any exist. So I will venture forth and present a couple of my own views and listen for your comments. I think the film has two main themes, those being rebirth and faith. The film starts with the image of an infant with a life clock that was crystal clear, denoting innocence, perhaps. Later in the film, Logan and Jessica's life clocks also become crystal clear after they have entered the real world. So perhaps, as they emerge from the cave into the world that they are not familiar with, they are actually reborn in effect. After Logan meets Old Man, he learns about the lost emotions of humanity, especially the emotion of love. So our protagonists are reborn and emotionally become mature thanks to the wisdom of Old Man. As far as the theme of faith is concerned, as a Sandman, Logan would have to have faith in the system that dictates that he must admit himself for renewal in Carousel. His faith was first shaken when he was sent to find sanctuary by the computer that ran the society. Logan is told that 1,056 runners are unaccounted for. He argues that there must be a mistake and that some of them must have been renewed on Carousel. The computer insists that the number is correct, and this is when Logan begins to see that the system he has placed his trust in is flawed. This is confirmed when he reaches outside and finds that he can control his own destiny rather than leaving it to a machine. One aspect I wondered about was if there was any significance to the use of T.S. Eliot's poem Old Possum's Book of Practical Cats, which most of us know from Andrew Lloyd Webber's Broadway musical Cats. One has to also keep in mind that Logan's Run was filmed long before the advent of Lloyd's Cats on Broadway. The film was released in 1976, and Cats hit on Broadway in 1982. My research turned up nothing, and so I believe that the screenwriter must have used the lines to demonstrate the near senility of old man by having him babble something that would have been nonsensical to most of the movie-going public. I got all these cats. 
Is is Upper Bear cool? Cats? Yeah, and they've each got their own name. Cats, of course. What else would they be called? <laughs> Cats! Do you know they've each got three names? Yes. The naming of cats is a difficult matter. It's not just one of your holiday games. You may think at first I'm mad as a hatter when I tell you that each cat got three different names. See, they got the ordinary name, and then they got their fancy name. And that makes two names, doesn't it? Well, now it's got a third name. Can either of you two guess what that third name is? Come on. Above and beyond, there's one name that's left over, and this is the name you never will guess. It's a name no human research can discover, but the cat itself knows, and never will confess, will you, Henry? <laughs> Gus was the cat at the theater door. His name, as I should have told you before, is really Asparagus. But that's such a fuss to pronounce. We call him just Gus. <laughs> I'll give you one of my best cats, my favorite. I'll give you a jellical cat. I will. Don't know. You're full of secrets as Macavity. Macavity, Macavity. There's no one like Macavity. There never was a cat of such deceitfulness and suavity. Perhaps Scott can enlighten me in the case that I might be wrong about the use of the Eliot poem. Well, there it is. This is Kalis. <laughs> Whoa, sorry about that. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, wow. Um, so let's, uh, yeah, I, I, I read too that the, the lines are from the T.S. Eliot poems, uh, and he, he got the book correct when he mentioned the title of the book there in that. So, I mean, obviously a lot of, if you aren't familiar with T.S. Eliot, you, uh, you just think he's making up this nonsensical rhyming stuff that he's talking about, which makes him seem even more senile. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I haven't read T.S. Eliot, but I did see the Cats musical, so I had yeah. to get some of the references. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I didn't actually know that um, that T.S. Eliot, that the, the T.S. Eliot's Cats poems are the basis of Cats. Oh, okay. Probably because I saw the musical and hated it. Mm-hmm. So I'm not a huge Cats fan. Did you ever see Cats, uh, JP? Uh, no, I didn't. Yeah. Not one of my favorite musicals, uh, but, you know, um, but, you know, he brought in some interesting thoughts, his idea of rebirth and phase. Any comment from you guys on any, uh, on anything that he said there? Uh, Miles, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, um, there is the hope of rebirth presented in this movie, but it's, um, it's a myth. But at the same time, I guess there's... I think Logan and Jessica see that, you know, that there is something to be gained by getting to, getting to grow to be old. There is, there well, in a sense, they are reborn. Like at least, at least, um, what they think of themselves is reborn when they go outside. Yeah. I would agree with that. Yeah. yeah I think it's what he's saying. You know, their crystals become clear. Um, their emotions are kind of, you know, re reborn when they visit the old man. And I think that's kind of what they're saying. They're not enslaved to the machine. Oh, yeah, definitely. There's certainly mm-hmm. a sense of rebirth to that. Mm-hmm. Um, right before uh, right before Francis dies at the end of the movie there, 
Logan shows him his palm, which is clear, as Kalis mentioned. And uh, if you remember, Francis looks at Logan's palm and says, you've been renewed. And then he dies. Right. So uh, a neat acknowledgement. Uh, it sure backs up what, what Kalis observed there oh, about yeah. the renewal being a theme for rebirth. Yeah. And I also liked what you said about, you know, this whole idea of faith and faith in the system being shaken. Um, and the idea to control your own destiny. Yeah, I thought the, those those ran through real clear, real clear in it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so uh, the, the idea of faith in the system, but the system is, it, it, it is flawed. Yeah. Uh, there's certainly a lot of parallels you could say to, you know, any government or government in the world right now or faith in our financials in almost any country you're living in right now. So. Maybe it had a slightly, slightly 1984 feel as far as just. I mean, the government. I mean, the, the government is basically the computer, but um, it's his faith. But it's, it is watching, like Big Brother. Yeah, exactly. So you do have that Big Brother kind of feel to it, mm-hmm. certainly. Um, and he mentioned. Did either of you guys see uh, Aeon Flux? Oh yeah, yeah, huh? yeah, absolutely. Not that they're completely similar stories, but. To me, uh, watching Logan, Logan's run this time through reminded me of the latter part of Eon Flux when they get outside the wall. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I would definitely, I would definitely agree with that. Definitely agree with that. Away from the government's control, and uh, just interesting that theme. Well, I suppose it's not an uncommon theme. No, it's not. Uh, and yet somehow it's fascinating. I think this theme continues to resonate in sci-fi because we look at uh, we look at the world around us and say, you know, what if this is not exactly what it seems? Mm-hmm. You know, we we kind of play with we play with that idea. You know, what if what if in some way where the wool is being pulled over our eyes to some degree? Oh yeah. So yeah. Well, any other thoughts on what Jay, uh, on what uh, what Kalis is saying here? I think he summed it up pretty good. Yeah, definitely. Any, any thoughts from you, JP? No, no, I liked his comments. Yeah, yeah. JP, thank you so much. JP, I'm sorry. Kayliss, thank you so much for uh, for calling in and making the and, and let, giving us your thoughts here and some great thoughts. And, yes, very dated, but you pointed some stuff out that we really didn't hit. And, and so I'm really glad that you uh, shared. So appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Um, well, I believe that's about it. Is there any other uh, parting thoughts here that we can leave our listeners before we go? Uh, there's still a treasure trove of some old sci-fi movies out there that uh, definitely, you know, if they, if they don't hold up, they at least bear rewatch. And uh, there, there's still something. To like Starship to- Troopers. Oh, maybe not. <laughs> we'll find out. That's <laughs> we'll, find, we'll find out in that one. That remains to be seen. Yeah. But um, yeah. but that, that bear to be watched and there's something to get out of it. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, JP, how about for yourself? Any last words here? Well, I, I'd, uh, I'd tease that I saw several links to Star Trek. I'll just give you those real quick. Uh, the, the, the handheld scanners that the Sandman use, I thought were uh, uh, very similar to tricorders from the original Star Wolf, uh, from all the, the Star Treks, perhaps. Okay. Um, the the cathedral scene with the kids, the uh, the Cubs, reminded me of uh, the original series season one. The episode was called Miri. Oh yeah, 
um, uh, where interestingly enough, the kids referred to the adults as grups, you know, similar sounding to cups. Um, and then, uh, Miles, you had mentioned uh, the TNG um, episode that I think was called Half Life. Um, Scott, you had mentioned the music, um, having a, a track tie, and then the cityscape. So, uh, I don't know, but I suspect that the folks that put this movie together were uh, were fans of the original series. Yeah, wouldn't surprise me. Wouldn't surprise me. I, I, I don't know. I didn't do any research on that, but. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me at all. Well, we appreciate everyone joining us for this trip down memory lane. In some cases, for me, it was new, but trip down memory lane at Logan's Run. And uh, again, next month, we are doing Starship Troopers. And so if you want to join us, uh, September 4th is the date that we're planning on putting that one out. Uh, we're going to be recording that one with John Nero. And uh, you'll be able to hear his thoughts on Starship Troopers. JP, thank you so much for joining us tonight to talk about Logan's Run. Guys, thanks for having me. This was fun. Yeah, it was a good. Yeah. It was fun having you. Yeah, it was definitely. Miles, thank you so much for joining us tonight here. Sure. And um, I believe that's about it. So uh, until next time. Good night we'll, and good luck. And we will see ya. Thank you.